God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that uh, every time we come to your word, Lord, we can learn something. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just um, use my words today to speak your truth, Lord, that uh, what you want to communicate to your people and to those in the room would come through today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are carrying on with the signs in the book of John, and um, there's something interesting about the miracle that we are going to be looking at today. Other than the resurrection, when God rose Jesus from the dead, this is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. And I, I had a little quiz with my family at home during dinner, and they were able to eventually get it. It is the feeding of the 5,000. So a lot of us know the story, the bread, the fishes, and that kind of thing. But this is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. And so um, today we're going to look at, like, why did John include this miracle in his Gospel? Uh, I really love the book of John because it's actually written by Jesus' best friend. And I love that he refers to the beloved apostle or the beloved disciple, and he really just means himself. And, uh, but he was so confident in his relationship with Jesus, he knew that he was Jesus' best friend. And we know that because when Jesus is dying on the cross, he says to John, take care of my mother. And um, so... John had to take all of the stories and all of the things and all of the miracles that Jesus did, and he had to, to bring them down and put them into his gospel. And he had to do that so we would understand from John's point of view who Jesus was. And so for this particular miracle, for the feeding of the 5,000, um, we... The specific point that John is trying to make is he's actually retelling the stories in Exodus, but now with Jesus as the hero of the stories. So our first lot question is just going to be a general, uh, what do you think are some of the reasons that John included this story? What are some of the things that we can learn from this story that John um, has included. So I'm going to read it now. And if you just want to throw into Slack some of the things you think we can read, we can learn from the story. So we find it in John 6, 1 to 14. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fishes. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. 
Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left, for those, left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. So again, I'm going to repeat our Slack question. What do you think are some reasons Jesus included this story that I just read? All right, um, I'm just going to kind of summarize and highlight some points for why I think it kind of reflects Exodus. So uh, the background, uh, it's the time of the Passover, and Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee, near the Sea of Tiberias, and he is not actually going to Jerusalem this year for the Passover. Um, I'm always like, when I read these stories, I'm like, why are all these people just wandering around? Don't they have jobs or places they're supposed to be? They're just roaming around following Jesus. But actually, this crowd is traveling from where they are to Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, Jesus is not going to go this year to the Passover. It's the middle of his ministry. The year before he went to Jerusalem and basically started a riot, and there was a plot to kill him. So this year he's not going to go, and then, of course, the next year in his ministry when he goes, it leads to the crucifixion. So, um, so instead, he's there, and these people are gathering, and he has them come, and uh, he has them all sit down. This is probably the first time he hasn't gone since he was 12 years old. So Jesus sees the people following him, and he asks the disciples, how are we going to feed these people? How are we going to provide for them? And the disciples think it's impossible. They, there's like no way they can do this. But one disciple kind of brings along five loaves and five fishes. And then Jesus directs them to sit down. In Mark 6, 39 to 40, it says, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And then there's this miraculous provision of food. And in the end, 12 baskets of bread are gathered up in, strap, in scraps. Okay, I'm going to jump now to your Slack answers. All right. As a sign that he was the one to come, the one the people have been waiting for. Yeah. Aaliyah says, because it proves, oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to say your name, Aaliyah. Because it proves that God made everything, and he and only he can make more of everything. Absolutely. Um, because he included it to show his divinity as well as his humanity. That's great. And um, we think we can only do so, so much, but when we give it to God, he makes it enough. Yeah, those are all great answers and great reasons why I included it. I think um, also John is telling us this story for us to understand that Jesus is a few things. That he is our provider. Uh, that he is, uh, it, that he's a prophet. And that he is a rescuer and ultimately the Messiah that all of Israel was waiting for. 
is why John is telling this story, writing this gospel at this time. In verse 14, it says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Um, we live in a time now where people are still looking for a provider and a prophet and a rescuer or a messiah. Slack question two is, where is the world looking now for these things? Where does the world look for a provider and a prophet and a messiah or a rescuer? The feeding of the 5,000 is John's reflection of the same miracle that was done by Moses, the first prophet from the people of Israel. Uh, I'm going to read Exodus 16, 2 to 5. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the des this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. See, John is trying to make an argument that Jesus is the new Moses. So Moses was the first great prophet of Israel, and he, um, that he would, they were, they're both providers. Both of them provided bread through a miracle, Jesus with the, the loaves and the fishes and Moses with the manna that came down from heaven. And they both um, divided up the people. Moses had them divided in their camps and, what, and uh, by their families and their, the lines. And Jesus divided them, as we read, into sections on the grass. And it's funny because the number 12 is really significant. So Moses had them as the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And in the end, there were 12 baskets left, which would have been very significant to the Jewish people at the time. John's also making an argument that, that they're both prophets. So um, in the Old Testament, as the first prophet, Moses became the conduit between God and his people. He was the mouthpiece of God and the direct link between God and the people. The prophet was God's preferred method of communication. So um, he was how... God communicated with his people. And when we get to the place where Israel wants their own king, God says to Samuel, don't be upset. It's not you they're rejecting. It's me they're rejecting. And it was how God provided for salvation and for judgment in the Old Testament. The prophets would come and would give a word or give a challenge or provide a way out. And then he's also saying that Jesus and Moses, they're both rescuers. Moses rescued the people from Egypt, and he brought them out into the promised land. And now they're celebrating the Passover, which is the remembrance of the things that God did to bring them out. And John is telling them, this is Jesus. They wanted Jesus to rescue them for Rome, because once again, they were under a time of oppression, and they weren't their own people. And they were looking for someone to rescue them from 
the government of Rome. But Jesus rescues us from something even bigger than that. He rescues us from our sin. And he rescues us into eternity. So where is the world looking for a provider and a prophet and a rescuer? <laughs> Someone said Jordan Peterson, <laughs> who's very big right now. Or maybe sports heroes, people that we could admire, um, <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> for those of you a little older. Um, and lots of people are looking to the government to rescue us, right? To solve our problems. And social media is a huge thing. Influencers and TikTok can tell us how we should lead our life, right? That would be a very sad life. Um, so... Jesus tells, John tells us the story about Jesus so we can understand that uh, Jesus was the provider and he was the prophet and he was the rescuer. But what does that mean for us? As I was praying through this, I'm like, what does that mean for us as a congregation? Why does it matter? And I think um, we need to recognize that the world is still looking for a provider and a prophet and a rescuer. Jesus is the is as much the answer today as he was for the people 2,000 years ago. So our last slack question of the day is, when has Jesus been your provider or your prophet or your rescuer? When has he done something in your life that fits within these categories? Do we have an obligation to tell the world what they're looking for? Jesus said, John says in 635 that he's our, Jesus is our provision. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In John 14, 6, he says he's the mediator, the prophet. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he's our rescuer. In John 10, 25 to 30, we read, Jesus answered them, I told you, and do, you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We need to know who we are, because there's a world out there that needs to know what we know. They need to know that there is someone who will provide for them and that there is someone who will be the mediator for them with God and that there's someone who will rescue them from their sin. I'm going to take a look at your answers now. Um, at all the right moments, even though I know the answer is always, especially when I think I'm at my lowest level, 
He started to be my provider once I gave my life to him. Actually, he provided for me before that time, but I was too blind to see it. Jesus has been my provider when I was out of work for one and a half years and still didn't go into debt to pay my bills and mostly maintain my lifestyle. He provided his presence and direction when I was still deep in drug addiction. Amen. When two of my children were facing penitentiary, we cried out and God delivered us. And during COVID, and I missed my friends and school, and I was baptized, and God reminded me to remain in him. See, the thing is, God does these things for us. He provides for us. He rescues us. He, he's an intermediate for us. But that's not just for us to consume on ourselves. If we just sit in church and we say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, and we don't take this message out to a lost and dying world, then there are people out there that will never get to experience them, and we will have failed as the church. The reason John wrote this story is so that people would know Jesus, and they would know that he is the answer. So I would just encourage you, these testimonies that we have, they're wonderful to share here in church. They're great to encourage us as a group of believers, but they're also powerful stories to tell those that don't know Jesus. You know, we can preach at people, we can have great theology, and that's important. We can have great arguments, and that's important. But the things, the testimonies, the things that God does in our lives, you can't argue against those. They're the things Jesus done. They're our experiences. And they are ways that we can encourage people. So all the answers that you have just given are your testimony that the world needs to hear. So I'm just going to challenge you. Who do you know? Who in your life, at your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, who do you know that needs to hear that Jesus is their provider, their prophet, and their rescuer? And I challenge you to share with them this week. I'm just going to close us in prayer. God, I thank you that you are our provider. Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you did so much more than the prophets of the Old Testament could do, Lord, that you rescued us from our sin and that you are the way that we communicate with God because you are God. We thank you that you sent us your Holy Spirit and we thank you that you give us access to the Father. And may we not just use that on ourselves. May we actually take that to a world that is hurt and is dying and that needs you, Lord. And especially at this time of Christmas where there can be so much joy and so much pain all at once, Lord. I pray that you would move on our hearts, that you would give us eyes to see, and that we would know um, what you want from us and who you want us to minister to. In Jesus' name, amen.